today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I don't know how you feel about what's been going on with the municipal election up to this point. To me, it's been a little bit sleepy. It hasn't been the most exciting mayoral race, maybe some candidate races, but there hasn't been a lot going on necessarily with the mayoral race. Certainly, I mean, no one-on-one debate, so you don't really know what's going on in the minds of voters. It hasn't been the same level of intensity as we've seen in some other elections over the years. Well, that may be changing. Because there is a new forum research poll that has just been, well, it hasn't even been released yet. Matthew Van Dongen from the Hamilton Spectator uh, has got a copy of it. He's about to, momentarily, it'll be up at thespec.com and then tomorrow in the paper. Uh, Matthew joins me. Matt, thanks for coming in and doing this. Oh, no problem, Scott. Uh, This poll, I think I'll let you uh, take away what the results of the mayoral popularity contest is, but I would suggest that this... Maybe a bit of a surprise to some people and maybe about to turn this, if it wasn't already, into quite a race. Well, uh, that seems to be the takeaway from the uh, head of forum research. He was saying that it's, it's pretty remarkable to have such an even split at this late stage of the game. Which is what? How, how close are we talking right now? Uh, so uh, it's well within the margin of error. The, they did their poll uh, two days ago. Uh, and 38% of respondents, uh, 39%, sorry, were backing uh, the incumbent, Fred Eisenberger, and 38% were backing the uh, anti-LRT challenger, Beto Scro. So it's essentially a dead heat right now. That's what he's calling it, yeah. So with four days or three and a half days until the election, uh, literally this is anybody's race. Because there was a lot of people, there have been a lot of people, I think, who have thought that because of his incumbency that Fred Eisenberger had a pretty big lead. And we've heard numbers that suggest that there was a gap there. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I've heard as well. Um, what was also interesting is that they they were asking people specifically uh, how they felt about the LRT project, and mm. uh, people were ranking it. Almost a third of uh, all respondents ranked it as the top issue they'd be voting on. Uh, to beat out taxes by quite a bit, uh, and uh, he recalled because uh, Forum Research actually did a poll for the Spectator during the last election, and LRT was an issue. He said, but it wasn't close to the top issue. Right. So right now, and I'm looking at the numbers in front of me right now, LRT, 33% of people say that is the number one issue in the election right now. One third of people, uh, other issues, property taxes are half of that, roads and infrastructure, 15%, and then down public crime and safety, uh, housing, congestion, HSR. Uh, Nothing else is even close to this, Matthew. So it would seem that when you have a candidate who has seemed to have anyway built his candidacy around LRT, it seems as though either he's turned this into the election issue or he picked the right issue to build his candidacy around. Yeah, it is interesting because certainly the incumbent, uh, Fred Eisenberger, has been suggesting that uh, it's just one issue of many, obviously an important issue to him, but he has been downplaying the importance of that particular issue. But uh, obviously people, at least in this survey, uh, disagree with him. There's another number in there. So we've got essentially now, as of today, as of, well, whenever you receive this, this afternoon, a dead heat in the mayoral race, which I think is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. The other issue, though, and and you touch on it, what helps to build to this, they asked people in this poll about their support of LRT, leaving aside which mayoral candidate or councillor they might vote for, just on the issue of LRT alone. Do you support? Do you not support? That's a pretty interesting number, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, that they've split it into uh, strongly support or somewhat support or, you know, strongly against or, you know, 
just not generally in support. So it, it equals out essentially to for and against close to 50-50, uh, 50% for uh, against and 46% uh, generally in four, and then a very small percentage of people who just say they aren't sure. Um, and again, you know, that's an interesting number too, because past surveys, though imperfect, even by Metrolinx, have suggested that uh, it was kind of a tough project to sell in Hamilton compared to other cities that are also building provincially funded LRTs. Yeah, so the numbers here, uh, to bang on here, are 50% do not support the plan to build the LRT. 31 don't support, 19 are strongly against building it. Uh, 3% were unsure have the, how they felt. 1% were unaware of any plans to build an LRT. <laughs> I don't know who those people are or where they've come from. And the rest were either strongly or somewhat in favor of this. This really, Matthew, we only have a minute or so left here. This really would seem to crystallize what people are going to be voting for on Monday, because you have a, a one very strong issue that, as you've pointed out, is the dominant issue in this campaign, very divisive in that one issue, and two mayoral candidates who are very strongly on one side or the other. Th- this, to me, as I say, makes it seem pretty crystallized about how the vote is going to be done. Yeah. We don't know so, who's going to vote, but we know how it's going to go. That's right. And the one last thing I would say, then, is that uh, that the uh, president of the, of the polling firm had mentioned that this, this means that it's obviously hugely important to, for each candidate to bring the best ground game to actually get their voters out on Monday. But then the other interesting thing is that the people who are most passionately against and most passionately in favor, that, that breaks pretty evenly, too, right? There's about 30 percent of of that voting population on either side that just really hates it or really loves it. So those may be voters as well. So that's quite interesting. You can read Matthew's piece, Matthew Van Donson's piece. It'll be up on thespec.com very shortly. It'll be in the paper tomorrow with more analysis. Uh, Matthew, great work today. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. That is is huge, huge news because there were a lot of people who thought that the gap was going to be bigger. Well, big. A gap. Let's just leave it that way. It is essentially a dead heat in the mayoral race, according to the forum research poll that is out today. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. To bring in Bill Kelly, uh, we were just chatting in the last segment about this forum research poll that has just come out. The spec is going to have it up on its website momentarily. Bill, that shows that the two main, the two leading mayoral candidates are in virtually an absolute dead heat. I said a moment ago, this has been kind of a sleepy campaign. I got to think the next four days for these two are going to be anything but sleepy now that it looks like either guy could win this. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and congratulations to Matthew. Great reporting on his part, uh, because I, I heard this about 24 hours ago uh, from one of my political sources, but I said, I, see, I need to see the report. Well, I don't have it. And I said, well, then I can't report on it. And Matthew dug it up, and great for him. But I want to put this in context, because the same source, who I consider a very reliable source about politics in this area, uh, about oh, two weeks ago said that uh, Scrub was about 10 to 15 points behind. Now it's a dead heat. That tells you where the momentum is right now. Well, it would sound like it. And, and I, look, assuming, and you mentioned it's the same source, so assuming he has his numbers and he's not just pulling them out of the air, which it doesn't sound like it, that would sound like good news in the home stretch for Vito Scro. Uh, although, well, Bill, I mean... You know what, Scott? This is what happens in, in all elections, but especially in municipal elections. Now, the first little while, people aren't really paying attention. You know, they, they may get a phone survey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the last... And I found this even when I was in, in politics, uh, you know, during my term on council. It's not until about the last 10 to 14 days that people start to pay attention and say, I'm going to read that literature. I'm going to go to that website. Uh, and that's when, that's when opinions start to coalesce. 
now I'm not suggesting the game, but no way is it over. I mean, you know, a dead heat. And I agree with what with the, what Matthew just said. And now it's up to both sides to say, you know what, we're in a horse race. Who's going to get the vote out? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's what it comes down to. This election, though, and Matthew was talking about it, when you look at the numbers, 33%, so one in three people they polled said that LRT was clearly, uh, and it's by far the most important issue that has been identified by the people who were in this poll. And that, and, and of the, all the people, 50-50, it is split down the middle about support for LRT. Uh, is there another election that you can think of? Even the stadium election last time, I don't think there's been another election where we have had one topic, one issue that is just driving the entire discussion so heavily. Yeah, it was 2003. Which was what? Uh, Remind me. When Bob Wade was the first mayor of the amalgamated city. And okay, not, right. He decided not to run. So we, it was an open seat, and it was Larry DeAnne versus David Christofferson. Now, and, and just to put this in context, uh, the Red Hill had not been built. The, the link was there, of course. That was built in 97 and opened in 97. Should we go ahead with the other side? And Christofferson was totally opposed to it. Larry was in favor of it. Uh, and it was basically, if you want the Red Hill, you vote for this guy. If you're opposed to it, vote for this guy. And and that was the election. That was the ballot box issue. Uh, and, of course, Larry DeAnne won. And, you know, as it turned out, of course, the Red Hill got billed, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's history. Uh, but you're right. Even the stadium thing. I mean, everybody, you know, in the stadium issue, as you remember, Scott, they were pissed off at everybody on council. Uh, but it seemed as if Fred, who was the mayor at the time, took the heat for it, and then he lost his job. Uh, it, it, this is a very similar issue, but, I mean, Fred has become the champion of this. And he's, you know, when, when I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, he says, I don't even think LRT is the major issue in this campaign. And I said, eh. Well, now this, this forum poll indicates, yeah, it is. This is the ballot box issue. Does that does this would then obviously change any time that these two and look I, I respect the other people who are running for mayor but I'm sorry at this point in the campaign you are no longer relevant in this discussion so we're not mentioning them anything any place any speech that these two go and give this weekend it almost seems like it's almost not worth talking about anything but LRT. Well, there are other issues, and you've listed some of them, social housing, taxes, things like that. But clearly, from, from what the forum poll says, yeah, but it's this LRT thing. And, and what's interesting about this, is, and I'm just going by past history here on demographic breakdowns, uh, and I'll go from 2000 when the city of Hamilton was amalgamated to, to this coming election. If you look at the past records, the suburbs and the Hamilton Mountain elect the mayor. Uh, those votes either swing one way or another, and and I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to say that the, the inner city votes don't matter. Certainly they do, but there's such a, a mass of people here, and and coincidentally, just and I'm talking about what I'm hearing from people as they call into our show all the time. Those are the areas that seem to be the, the areas of the most opposition to the LRT. If those people vote en masse and say, I don't want the mayor who's supporting LRT, Fred could be in trouble. If they don't, if they simply say, well, we're not showing up, you know, it's one thing to answer a phone poll. It's another thing to actually get off your butt and vote. Well, and let me, we only have a, f- a few seconds left here, but that's a really interesting one because something I didn't talk about with Matthew is uh, one of the other things that came up in this poll. There's a lot of information. Matthew's piece is now up at thespec.com for people who want to read while they listen. Listen, 78% of the people who were asked in this poll said they were positive or absolutely certain, barring an unforeseen emergency, that they would be voting. Now, you and I both know it's not going to be 78% votership. That never happens. Do you think, though, that this issue is coalescing enough and motivating enough that we are going to see a spike in voting this time in the city? 
I, I would love to see that. God knows I would love to. Uh, I'd love to see us up around 65 or 70 percent. What's so a real number? What's a realistic number, though, Bill? I mean, if, well, if we got we 40. Were, I think we're at 37 last uh, municipal election. If we bumped it up to even 45, that's significant. I'd love to see it at 50, but I, that's, I, I think that's unrealistic. If we could get it up six or seven points, and, and the question we're all asking right now, is this the issue that's actually going to motivate people and say, look, it, I'm going to get out and vote. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if we've got 10 centimeters of snow. That's not in the forecast. <laughs> uh, that you know, we're going to go out and vote because this is the issue that, that matters to us. Uh, and like I say, it's one thing to do that. I'm going to be very interested to see the numbers in the advance polling. Those are mm. finished right now to see how many people are doing that. But the, the key issue here, as Matthew just articulated with you, is here we are just a few days away from voting day, and we're in a dead heat. And and that tells, and of course that tells me right now that who's going to get the vote out. Because uh, we've seen this before, and 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 people that thought, oh, I, I'm I'm home and cooled out, and their supporters didn't show up. Uh, so it's it's a matter of it's it's the teams in place right now, and who's got the strongest team can get that vote out. Bill Kelly, uh, you will be hearing. I'm sure you might mention this tomorrow morning on the show. I'm guessing, maybe. I might. It okay. might come up. It might come up in the conversation. Bill Kelly, 9 till 12 tomorrow. Guaranteed you'll be talking election. Guaranteed he'll be talking about this poll as well. Tune in for that. He'll have some great guests as well as his own insights. Bill, thanks for doing this today. Really thanks appreciate much, it. Good talking with you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Earlier today, as I said just before the break, earlier today, Mayor Fred Eisenberger, who is running for mayor again, was on with Scott Thompson. If you wish to hear his talk with Scott, you can go to 900CHML.com, find the show's page, find Scott Thompson's page. It will be there. But... Of course, we want to give equal time. Mayor Fred was on earlier. We wanted to bring on his challenger, his main challenger, the man who, according to this new forum research poll, is in a dead heat with the mayor right now. His name is Vito Scro. He joins us. Mr. Scro, thanks for doing this tonight. Well, hi, Scott. What's new? Hey, well, what's uh, what do you make? This poll just came out. You probably just heard this. You may have heard it before. What do you make of the fact that you are, according to this, essentially in a dead heat with the with the incumbent mayor? Well, we felt the momentum uh, probably in the last 10 to 15 days. It's very close to the numbers we have, actually, so it's it's not surprising. This poll clearly, uh, unequivocally shows that the main issue in this election is the LRT. That has been your main target of campaigning that's been your big thing in this one why have you many people have heard this but i'm going to give you a minute or two why have you run so aggressively against the lrt because people have not been told the facts or had the opportunity for input and and i wanted to make sure they had all of that information and from there we can make a, a proper choice as soon as people found out about it, the anger was just growing and growing and growing. There's been We've been battling a lot of misinformation for about three or four months that's been out there for years, actually. And as people are getting educated, they realize this will be the worst mistake that Hamilton will ever make. Why? Because uh, it, Hamilton does not need LRT. It's not ready for it. The, the Rapid Ready Report, which is the city's own blueprint for transit, along with the 10-year transit plan, states that you need basic transit first across the whole city and ridership up before you even think about a higher order. We're doing it backwards. And why we're doing it backwards, I have no idea. It's destined to fail. Taxes will go up. 
in a huge amount, especially uh, in the suburbs and across the city, because the only way this will work is if you get rid of area rating. And I am not going to touch area rating. I'm going to protect it. The the point behind this, though, is you're not, you've campaigned not to just get rid of LRT with nothing. You are arguing for the billion dollars that's been promised by Doug Ford and the Conservative government that we could do other things with infrastructure. Your critics, and you've heard this before, have said that's putting an awful lot of faith in Doug Ford that he will come through with that billion dollars. Now, I know they've made promises, but how confident are you that that would actually happen? Because this whole thing rides on that billion dollars. Extremely confident. I believe it's six or seven times they have stated that the money is there for infrastructure, infrastructure and transit, or LRT. The choice will be up to us. There is a lot of things we can do. There's a lot of things we need to do. I do want transit. I want express bus routes, as called for uh, in the BLAST network, across the whole city, from Winona to Waterdown and from Mount Hope to the water and, uh, and all points in between. From th- then after that, with the money remaining, we have a lot of infrastructure to tackle. And there's a lot of opportunities. It's not just fixing roads, although they're needed. We can provide services and, and whatnot up to the airport. That could be the next great employment area where thousands of jobs could be there. We've got to start bringing in private businesses again to get our taxes lower. Because right now, residential ta- taxes are covering most of what we have to do. And that's why our taxes are so high. You mentioned that the Doug Ford government has promised six or seven times that this billion dollars exists. Um, we also know, though, you know, that the province right now, we hear about it every day, is in financial straits. What if it turns out that, like other governments have done of different stripes, they simply say, you know what, the budget has changed, circumstances have changed. That was yesterday. We meant it. But, boy, we can't afford to do that billion dollars now. Again, that is out of, of my hands. They've said it six or seven times. I, I you know, I, I'm taking them at their word, and we'll move forward. Do you then see this election, the mayoral side of this election, not well, maybe the can, the councillors too, but for your particular election, do you see this as a as being a referendum on LRT in a sense? It always was. The, the people never had a chance for their say. This is it right now. Uh, you probably heard I had two telephone town halls uh, about two weeks ago. We got in total 13,000 people on these phone calls. The, 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 the interest was tremendous. People finally had their, their say. They had the right to ask questions. And a lot of people, I think your poll said a lot of, some people didn't even know about the LRT. Yeah, 1%. We found that also. Yeah. Yeah, we found that also. And, and as they're learning about it, if, if people know about LRT, I'm confident of what's going to happen on Monday. Does that mean, though, if this is a referendum, as you say, on LRT, does that mean you're not wanting to talk about if you lose? But if you did lose, anyone can lose in an election. If you lose, does that mean then that you would say the LRT should go ahead? Then it's up to council to decide what they want to do. Um, I'm not here to, to talk about that, uh, that result. I'm confident what's going to happen. We're going to make history on Monday. Regardless of who wins, whether it's you or Fred, what is, though, based on this poll, and again, a poll is a poll. We saw with Donald Trump, polls aren't always accurate, but assuming this poll is reasonably close or somewhat accurate, whoever wins is going to be presiding over a city that is really, really divided about this thing. How do you govern, how do you preside over a city if you're the mayor when it's so clearly split in half about a major issue like this? By building consensus with collaboration, not going by myself to the premier and, and without council's knowledge. 
They will be involved of all, all, all of what's going on and will decide as a council, which has been different than what's been going on in the last few years. Uh, Vito, the, you know the knock that has been leveled against you. You know what the criticism is, and that is that you are a one-issue candidate. And I'll let you get to some of those other issues in a second, because I know you're going to disagree with that. But can you win the mayoral race on another issue or on other issues? Well, LRT is not just one issue. It's because from LRT, you have taxes, infrastructure, housing, economic development, and so forth. It, it, it's so many things that could happen because of the money from canceling the LRT. Uh, there is an issue with taxes. They're going to go up if you have uh, uh, LRT. That's, that's without a doubt. Infrastructure, we have a $3 billion de- uh, deficit in infrastructure. When are we going to start to tackle that? I mean, even this money is not going to solve it, but it's a start. Economically, again, we can use this money to build up areas and create new employment zones. So it's, it's one issue branching out into many. You mentioned taxes. Uh, there was a release, a report from the Canadian Real Estate Association, Royal LePage and Zucasa that came out a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And in it, it says Hamilton has the highest property tax on a typical home in Canada, higher than Toronto, higher than Vancouver, higher than Ottawa, higher than any of the other major cities in Canada. How do we reduce this or can we reduce it? Well, the best way is to create private businesses paying taxes. Years ago, when we were heavy in heavy industry, uh, you had the DeFascos and Westinghouses and so forth. They paid tens of millions of dollars of taxes, and the burden on the residential homeowner wasn't as bad. Now it's flipped the other way. Now, it's fantastic to have Hamilton Health Sciences and McMass University and so forth, but they're not paying the taxes that a private industry does. That's why I want to take some of this money. Part of my plan involved the Port Authority, but unfortunately the previous provincial government sold a 1,000 acres roughly that was down there to Stelco. Now, if they're going to use it for employment, fantastic, but I have a gnawing feeling that that's not going to happen, and we're going to have to buy it back at three times the price. The other area is the airport. The airport has approximately 1,600 to 2,000 acres ready to go if we can get the services there. There's going to be the International Trade Corridor coming from Western New York through Niagara. We cannot not be a part of that. The thousands of jobs that can be created will be a game changer for Hamilton. So it's not just fixing roads, which is very important. You know, we've got to get the bypass in, in, in Waterdown and a bunch of other things that have to be done. Rymel has to be doubled. But it's creating wealth and new taxpayers. I want to create new taxpayers. Now, on the other side on spending, one of my platform issues is, is getting an auditor general. It's not an accountant. It's not an auditor. It's an auditor general like the province and like the federal government has. It's, it's, he or she will not just look at numbers. They will do value for money on programs. Are they working? Are they not? Is everything properly being done? They'll recommend uh, things to change, things to cut out, and things to continue. We need that. Now, I can't believe a city this size does not have one of the, uh, an Auditor General appointed, and other cities don't either, to be fair to Hamilton. But that's something I want to talk to with council and go see the provincial government. It'll be appointed by the provincial government. Do you have reason to believe, do you believe that this city is wasting money, for lack of a better term? Well, 
every organization has things they can improve on, and that includes private industry. Private industry, not-for-profits. In my previous life, I was a partner in an accounting firm, and I, I helped hundreds of businesses, charitable organizations, and not-for-profits. Everybody has things that they can fix. Everybody. We need that oversight outside of the city and outside of the control of the city to make sure that things are done properly. You mentioned, going back for one second, because you were talking about luring businesses here, having businesses here, creating new taxpayers. Are you in favor of incentives, financial or tax or other incentives to bring businesses here? Well, I will do whatever is best for Hamilton, but I'm not going to waste money on a pipe dream either. We will come up with uh, programs that are, 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 are legally uh, allowable. I think we have to go to the province on some of these type of items. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put more money into the Economic Development Department. I, I don't know if most people realize we produce $1.6 billion in agricultural business every year. There's more jobs in, in West Flamborough and, and, and rural Lancaster and so forth than Stelco or DeFasco, and yet they're ignored. I finally understand, because I have to admit, I was just as ignorant as a lot of other people, why losing a Robert Pasuda was devastating to the people in that area. The horse racing industry has been devastated, and we haven't done anything about it. So I'm going to hire full-time a person in the mayor's office that all they'll do is look at rural and agricultural issues. We, we, have, we are, without a doubt, the most unique city in the country. We have a large agricultural sector. And right opposite, we have the, one of the most industrialized areas in the country. This is an amazing city, and the future looks fantastic. The other, one of the other, not the other, there's more than this. Uh, one of the other major issues that has been talked about for years now in this city is housing. We all understand what the prices of housing are in the city. It's going through the roof. For a lot of people, it's become completely unattainable. Is there anything that a mayor can do, that a council can do to try and make housing really more affordable? Short, and I mean, building affordable housing would be certainly one of those. Uh, what else can be done to get people into proper housing in the city? Well, we have to think outside the box. Uh, Fred Eisenberger talks about $50 million. Now, when you take a look at what that means, it's $20 million over 10 years or $2 million a year on just repairing stock that we can't even use anymore. It's $20 million over five years to build units. Scott, do you know how many units were built in 2017? 35. We have a waiting list for 7,000 units, and the remaining amount of money is, to, uh, is for Indigenous poverty reduction, which is wonderful. What I want to do is I want to create a committee uh, uh, with councillors, um, all three levels of government, the school boards, who act like land barons, and I don't like that, uh, non-for-profits, and private developers, because they know how to build. They will meet in January. They'll have 90 days to come up with a plan for the first 1,000 units. Now, when I was on Infrastructure Ontario, uh, they had programs in place, and I don't understand why the city didn't take advantage of them. The province owns land in every city. They have a, a, a program where they'll sell the land at cost. So if the land's worth $10 million, they'll sell it to a developer for $4 million, but the developer has to create a large percentage of geared to income for 30 years. And the wonderful thing is they're responsible for the maintenance, which is some of the problems. After 30 years, they get to keep the properties. Now, that's just one idea. With collaboration with the provincial government and the federal government, we can get things done. Unfortunately, our current mayor does not get along with the ONI government MPP in this area, 
and does not get along with uh, one of the MPs in this area. I get along with Donna Skelly, Philomena Tassi, and Bob Rutino. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Vito, just before the break, you were talking about some of the the connections, some of the things, the the people you've worked with, the politicians that you get along with to be able to do this stuff. You also mentioned Infrastructure Ontario, that you were a board member. Earlier today, um, Fred Eisenberger pointed out that you were on the board of Infrastructure Ontario when our stadium was built. We all know some of the problems we've had with the stadium. Uh, He's laying some of the fault of the stadium at your feet. Are you partially to blame for what happened with our stadium? So I'm so glad you brought that up. That's just, just another desperate attempt for Fred to mislead the voters. I was appointed to the Infrastructure Ontario Board in July of 2013, almost a year after consortium was selected. If Fred wants to talk about the stadium, bring it on. If it wasn't for former Mayor Bob Bertina's intervention at the 11th hour, Hamilton would have not only lost the stadium, but we might have lost the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Fred's incompetence on the stadium resulted in his defeat in 2010. And Fred's incompetence on the LRT will result in his defeat in 2018. Let me go back to the idea of this poll uh, that we started this thing with, because and, and the idea that we have a very, what sounds like a very, very divided city with a lot of different issues, LRT being right at the top of them. But we also know, and we've seen this, Vito, over the last number of years, that we have a divided city, not just on LRT, but in a lot of issues that come before council, we seem to have a division between the suburbs and the inner city or the the uh, the mountain and the lower city, whatever you want to call it. Um How do you possibly, if you become mayor, if you were to win, how do you possibly satisfy and govern over both of those? Because it seems that it's impossible at this point to make both happy. But this, this, this LRT is the perfect example. This is the perfect opportunity to connect the city with, with transit from one end to the other. And, and with the remaining amount of money, there are projects that all part of the city need. There is a, a feeling of neglect in Flamborough, and I get it now that the, the bypass, which would help with the choking gridlock every day in the village of Waterdown, can be alleviated. The bypass was, uh, was uh, approved in 2015. All that's needed is the money, and now we'll have it. So that's part of the step. It's not just for, for Flamborough. It's Glambrook, it's Stony Creek, it's the mountain, it's downtown. We're one city with different family members. We're like a family, and each family member is different, but we're still a family. But that's not, not always kidding. thats not always how it comes across, and it sometimes, and you know this, it sometimes seems like yeah. fiefdoms, that I want to fight for my fiefdom, and I want and we understand why a politician would do that. You want to get reelected, so you look after the people who voted you in, but somehow, somewhere along the way, somebody is going to have to be able to create a sense that this is a city rather than a bunch of 15 little kingdoms. Well, and that's exactly what I'm going to be trying to do. And this is the perfect example. There is an amount of money. It's the biggest amount of money we're ever going to get in our lifetimes. This is the best way to show that, look, we are one city. Look, I've been accused of many things. I live downtown. I love downtown. Downtown is fantastic. It's it's incredible how far it's come since I've moved there decades ago. But there are other parts of the city also that need attention. And that's what I'm going to tell, try to get to do. We need to build consensus and we need to collaborate. If it's good for Ancaster, it's good for downtown. If it's good for downtown, it's good for Flamborough. If it's good for Flamborough, it's good for Stony Creek. It's not us versus them. That's got to stop. 
Now, the, the, the side of this that becomes interesting, you've never run for office before. You've been a guy who's been very involved in politics. Uh, you know your way around the political world, but you've never actually run for office. Somebody might say right. that, you know what, uh, it, saying these things and then having to actually do them are two vastly different things. Well, it, it is, but um, it, it's, it, I've run my business. I've had to deal with people. I've been on boards that have dealt in billions of dollars. And again, it's collaboration. It's a consensus building. This, yes, it's the first time I've run. But look at the city right now. We have a situation where there's hundreds of units of Hamilton housing that we can't use because they haven't been properly maintained. We have the worst roads in Ontario. We have the worst transit system in Ontario. If that's the political experience you need, then I'm glad I don't have it. I could do this, and you could do this, and I'd love to do this for a lot longer, but your time is up. You have things to do tonight, and I can't keep you any longer. Uh, Vito Scro, I really appreciate you taking this time this evening. Uh, you can find all more about Vito's platform, and if you want to learn more about him, vitoscroforMayor.ca is the website. Uh, really appreciate it today. Thank you for taking the time. We'll talk soon, Scott. Thank you. That is uh, mayoral candidate Vito Scro, as we said off the top of the show today. Dead heat, according to a forum research poll between he and Fred Eisenberger. That's some of what he's about. Again, I want to encourage you because we want you, we're not picking sides here. We want you to have a full picture so you can vote for the person that you actually believe will do the best job as mayor. Fred Eisenberger was on with Scott Thompson earlier today. If you didn't hear it, and you've heard Fred before, but nonetheless, go to 900chml.com. Click on shows, click on Scott Thompson's page, and you will find the interview with Fred Eisenberger that was on earlier today. Then, because we're only three and a half days now till the election, make your decision that way. Make an intelligent, informed decision. First of all, please vote. Please vote. But don't be an idiot when you vote. Go in with some idea of what you're voting for. And one of the best ways to do that, listen to that interview with Fred. Listen to this one again with Vito. It'll be on my page shortly. Go to thespec.com. Read the stuff. Read the polls. Do whatever you like. It's all there. You've got lots of opportunity. And then go and make an informed decision when you go to the polls. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in our buddy... Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. Sir, how are you today? Hello, my friend. Uh, hey, by the way, before we get going on to anything tonight, and I do have things I want to talk to you about, before we get going on to anything tonight, a couple things that I want to uh, take up with you, and, and congr- first of all, congratulate you on. Uh, first of all, congratulations, or at least I hope you're having a happy National No Beard Day. <laughs> All right, you and I can celebrate that one together. None of those hipster beards that everybody has to wear. Just, you know, clean face and, frankly, clean head, too. I mean, it's no, we can celebrate the no hair day today, too. But but more than that, I saw a post last night on social media. Don't know if it was Twitter. Don't know if it was Facebook. Don't know where it was. That you have a new home. What? CHCH has a new home. Oh, sorry. Yes, CHCH. You didn't think I was looking up your home. I'm thinking of myself. I'm like, am I moving? Well, I I don't (laughs) think you would have put that on the social media. Hey, look at my new house. Break in while I'm not there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yeah, the, H, the H is moving. Times, exciting times for the for the station, that's for sure. Um, you know, it, it, this is still a long way away, but the, you know, the building has been purchased and uh, the deal is done. And you know, obviously, there's uh, where this existing place for CHCH is is going to be the home of. I mean, how I don't know how many levels it will be because you know that's up for debate. But it will be a condo development. But for some time, there there has been the plans to move to a different building, more efficient. Um, just you know just more in tune with what you know is going on nowadays in the station and what's going on in TV as well too in terms of technology so exciting times it's going to take about two years to probably build build so uh, we're still here in downtown but uh, there will be a downtown office as well too as well as where we will be I guess technically that would be Flamborough well, they need uh, that time to build Bubba's dressing room, the sauna in your private dressing room, the massage area, the pre-show massage area. They're going to have, hopefully, a masseuse on staff. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to lie. There, there, there is some things in the sports department that I will be requesting. <laughs> <laughs> a putting green in the office. <laughs> how about, a, how about a, like a, a goal post that I can kick balls through? That would be good. That would be good. Anything just to burn off the energy. Well, let me... Let me while we're speaking of energy and trying to get rid of uh, aggression and everything else about kicking balls and putting and everything else, the baseball game last night, Bubba, I, I, uh, the story is for, them, for anyone who didn't see the game, Houston hits a home run early in the game. Jose Altuve, great little player. And when I say little player, I mean the guy's about four foot six. He was, he was an extra in the Wizard of Oz once upon a time. He hits a home run. I don't know how he has so much power in that little body, but he does. Ball clearly appears to go over the fence and into the crowd, into the front row. Boston Red Sox outfielder jumps for it. His glove bats into a play into a fan's hand, and the umpire rules fan interference. They go to replay. Now, fan interference is not supposed to count when the ball is already over the wall into the stands. They go to replay, and they stick with the call. I, I don't understand how baseball puts instant replay into play and then still gets it wrong. Did they get it wrong? Absolutely they did. Ab- 100% they did. Hundred percent. The way it, it it was a the glove was back and over the wall. It was at the very least breaking the plane of the wall. But beyond that, my question is: if you put replay in, and if you know back when instant replay began in baseball, the very first thing they decided to use replay for, what prompted replay in baseball, was only one thing initially. That was, did a ball leave the park or not? It followed that Derek Jeter uh, situation with the kid who reached over in Baltimore, I think it was, and caught the ball. The only thing that replay was supposed to be used for initially was home runs. How do you still not have cameras in the right place to be able to see the thing you started this for? Well, you know, and that's tough. I mean, the different buildings are built different ways, and cameras um, have to be uniform across, you know, all of Major League Baseball. I think we have the same sort of issues in, uh, in football and, of course, uh, in the National Hockey League as well. To some buildings are just too old or too new, or uh, you know, I, 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 Scott, I gotta have to agree, with, disagree with you a little bit. I thought they got the. I mean, this was no. Um, what's his name? Uh, Bartman. Like to me, no. that was clearly like that. To me, was clear fan interference. Yep. I thought this one. I thought they got right. I, I and and I thought that the, the and just in my opinion is that the camera shots that were available at least at what we saw on television, I I had to agree with the ruling. 
let me go back and we'll get to the we'll get to the, we'll fight about this in a moment but <laughs> we know that in every single major league ballpark on the on the baselines at the wall exactly at the spot where it would be a home run are the foul poles right you could it doesn't take I look I'm not a TV guy it doesn't take, though, a genius, and clearly I'm not that either. It doesn't take a genius to say, hey, if we're going to be able to see if a ball has cr- crossed or gone over the wall, let's put a camera on the foul pole facing along the wall, and there need to be one more somehow to get the middle of the thing. We can have a pretty good idea. Yeah, they but, had but, but, Scott, sorry to stop you there, but like diff- all these different these parks are so built differently. I mean, quite honestly, Rogers Center is one of the few parks where the wall goes from one end to the other uninterrupted. And then it would become very easy to actually track things and see. But, I mean, look at the Green Monster in in, in Fenway. Uh, Minute Maid Park has several up and down parts to the wall. It would be very difficult to monitor that. I... I, I it doesn't seem like they've had now 12 or 13 years for this particular call for because okay. th- again this was the one that got instant replay in baseball started before it was f- safe on the bases or whatever else this was the thing surely in that time the folks who are running the technology and baseball and the TV and everything else have they, look we figured out ways to have cameras in the bases so you can see the guy coming down first base. We've got cameras under the ice at center ice in some places. Surely someone has figured this out. So if this is what spurred instant replay, we can figure this one out and get this call correct. Well, sometimes it takes one uh, failure to learn your mistakes, and maybe this is a situation where um, we're protesting from either side will cause the improvements at that particular st- at that particular field. You know who I um, felt badly for though was the guy, the fan, who was the one who got his hand on the ball. Because again, I think that he was in. I think he was be behind the wall. I don't think he interfered. I think it was a home run. You disagree, regardless. That guy, you know, when they called that an out and it was in Houston, you know that guy was having flashbacks to Bartman and suddenly in that like two minutes' oh, time sure. thinking, Absolutely. is my life over because oh, of this? for sure. I mean, and, and you knew, because it being, especially with the temperature of the game at that time, um, and especially where they are in the series right now, it would be very, very easy to hate on that man. Um, you know, because when you look at it, I think in the Bartman situation, that game was a, a, a third winning uh, uh, um a game because obviously there was still one more game to be played. Yep. It was a, 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 it wasn't an elimination game, but there was still one more win to be had. So it would be kind of almost a similar situation. But it, well, uh, you know what the big difference was, and here's where I want to give the credit because I uh, now maybe it was just a lesson learned. Maybe Jose Altuve is a student of the game and remembers what happened with Bartman. Now, for those who don't remember, and I can't imagine there's more than about three people who don't. Back in I don't even know what year it was. 2001, maybe before then, the Cubs, who had never won the World Series in forever, looked like they were heading towards a World Series. Foul ball is hit down the third base side, and Steve Bartman, a guy who's sitting there, reaches over, not unintentionally, but interferes with Moishe Salou, the Cubs outfielder, and 
they don't get the out and Chicago goes on to lose. Alou at that time after the game absolutely shredded Bartman. Didn't know who he was. Just talked about the fan, but he shredded him. No, no, he he, he was on even on the field after jumping around all over him. Yep. That that response by that player more than anything else led to the outcry and the blowback against Bartman. Jose Altuve says, listen, that was a fan. We love having our fans here. He was just following the ball. He was trying to make a play. I held no ill will to him. I don't know if he remembered Bartman or if he just said that. Mean, but that, I'm not being funny. That may save that guy's life. I don't mean somebody would have killed him, no. but it may have saved that guy from being tormented and dogged and tracked down and abused for a long time. Here's my thing, and and I know you, you, you're angry at the camera situation. I believe, and Minute Maid Park is, is a relatively new park, and it's impossible to do, but as, as all the new fields and diamonds get turned over over the years, if you're going to have outfield seating, why not have a, you know, a, a walkway in, in behind the wall and the first row of seatings in the, in the outfield? Yeah, well, I mean, there are uh, there me, are some that have it. There are me, some that have that. To me, that is the solution. This way, there can never be fan interference. Fans can still catch balls that land, you know, out over the go over the wall. No matter how athletic an outfielder is, if they jump up and they put their hand over the glove, put their hand over the uh, the wall, they would not be interrupt. There would be no interruptions. Uh, or you just have a giant bullpen <laughs> in behind there or something. But it, I, you know, yeah, I, no, th- there are a few parks that have that. Uh, not a ton of them, but there are a few. One of them, I can't remember which one now, actually has like a flower bed that's about two feet wide all the way around. And so, yeah, you, and uh, you know, in Chicago with the Cubs, there's a basket there that's uh, that's above it now. So, um, you know, there, there are ways to do it. And you know, another thing about a ballpark, by the way, I wasn't even going to go here. Yesterday in the news, Ted Michaels was reading the news here on CHML talking about how the Anaheim Angels or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever the heck they're calling themselves today. I never know. They want a new park. Their their park is too antiquated. They want a new park. And I'm looking going, that park, surely it's not that old. And it looks beautiful. And holy cow. Really? Really? You're already ready for a new park with one of the nicest ones in baseball? It looks nice, but I, I mean, I guess the way it is in sports now, and especially with players' salaries, the way they are, you need to generate as much money as you can because you're already locked off. You already know what you're going to get, you know, from almost, you know, depending on what, you, what how good of a team you are, you know what you're going to get in terms of attendance. You can average. You know what you're getting from the TV stations, but when you're taking a look at the tickets situation, you need to be able to sell those private boxes and some of those stadiums that are not equipped with modern day boxes for your business fans who spent tremendous amount of money to in whether you know to invest in those facilities uh, if you don't have it you're just missing out on, on a lot of money yeah well they need time to to make it glamorous like Bubba's new change room in the new uh, CHCH headquarters <laughs> got to have all the amenities <laughs> That's part of that's that's part of the cell, right? Uh, well, uh, if, if for that for your new building, you mean? Absolutely, it would be. <laughs> hey, just before I let you go, uh, now we are what two weeks into the NHL season, two and a half weeks into the NHL season. We're hardly, you know, far enough along to be making any judgments on anything. So this is this is not you and I talking about long term success or anything like that. But I, it is interesting to me 
that when you look at the NHL standings right now, Toronto's in first. Montreal, who was supposed to be, you know, pick your metaphor or your simile of something really, really bad. They're in fourth. Um, not far. Calgary is up near the top. Vancouver, that was supposed to be, mm-hmm. I mean, Vancouver. the entire Vancouver franchise was supposed to be sent down to the AHL. Vancouver was supposed to be playing in the East Coast League this year, I think, as a team. Ottawa is doing all right. Winnipeg is behind all of them. The only Canadian team that really is not doing well right now is Edmonton. But six out of seven Canadian teams are playing very well to start the year. And we were expecting one or maybe two at most to be good. What's going on? Yeah, again, I think you said it. It's the early part of the season. I think teams are still developing chemistry and trying to figure things out, uh, especially a lot of the, I would say, the more veteran teams. And I think what you're seeing is, you know, a lot of youth out of the gate. And Montreal and Vancouver are perfect examples where their young players um, and, you know, the Canadians, the old, uh, you know, affiliate of the Hamilton Bulldogs back in the day, they've got a guy by the name of Coco Diemi, which is, I believe, he's one of the only players, if not the only player in the National Hockey league that is born in the year 2000 so it is it is a youth movement and he looks like he was born in 2013 there are so many of them scott i mean uh, rasmus dalin the first overall draft pick defenseman that could be the next nick lidstrom for the buffalo sabers he's he's such an outstanding skater and you know and going to be a a wonderful pro and when once he takes his helmet off i mean the guy looks like he's 12 years old and he's zit faced he's uh, (laughs) and he said it's unreal some of the youth of some of these kids Hey, the Maple Leafs themselves. Mitch Marner looks like he just, you know, is in grade nine. Yeah, he he's at least filled out a bit. Coco Niemi, however you say his name again, I can never say it. Um, that guy looks like if he's going to play a game for the Canadians, they have to get permission from his mom and dad to have him stay up <laughs> after his bedtime. Like he he legitimately looks thirteen years old. He could slip right into the Bulldogs lineup, and no one would think anything. They would think he's the youngest guy on the Bulldogs team. <laughs> I, I I honestly don't think I've ever seen a younger-looking player in the NHL. No, it, it's unreal. And now he is the youngest-looking player, the youngest player in the NHL, so it makes sense. But he really looks the part. Well, for sure. you know, and, and we're always talking about some of these young stars that they're like man-childs, right? <laughs> that, you know, for some of these guys that their bodies are so advanced. But then, you, like you said, you take a look at their faces and you're like, you're reminded. He's a child-child. You know, that these are, these are children. And, you know, hockey is one of the sports that has made tremendous change over the years that when these young kids that we're talking about for the most part 20 years ago maybe even 15 years ago maybe for some teams a decade ago they were forced to spend their some time in the American Hockey League and that's just not the way anymore if you're a young stud you're a young player for the most part you're going to you're you're ready to go you're going from junior hockey in some cases right to the NHL so we're going to see more and more of this Scott when they go, when his teammates go out for beers he's not even old enough to be able to afford or to, to order a Red Bull. But that's okay. He's he getting milk. To, he goes back to his hotel room and plays Fortnite. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and he's making millions, well, not millions yet. $925,000 925, $925, a year, those kids. Yeah, that, he's not doing too badly. I mean, he, I, he, he would be able to fund your new dressing room. <laughs> Single-handedly, I just want a loan from the guy. That's all. Uh, just a gift. I'll, you know, just, just, you know, a nice birthday present. Help a brother out. <laughs> it is amazing, though, when you look at these kids. That's the other thing. When you look at these kids, and you know, you and I get to meet 
some of these guys through the OHL or when the AHL was here. And you look and you go, oh, this kid's 17 years old. And then he signs an NHL contract. And you're thinking, wait a second. If he plays in the NHL next year, he's making $900,000, some of these guys. My life sucks. Well, what, because, what did I do wrong that I decided not to keep playing hockey? I sh- I'm mad at my dad now. You know how people always are <laughs> upset at their parents for being hockey parents and like driving their kids into the yeah. ground? I'm mad at my dad for not making me stay on the ice and beating me into submission to become a hockey player. Dad, you, know? you failed. Well, think about it. Bulldogs captain Mackenzie Entwistle this week alone signing his you know, entry-level contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. Boom, he's in. I wanted my dad, in retrospect, I wanted him to say, Scott, you're not allowed in the house till you do 500 laps of the rink backwards and doing crossovers and hit all those targets 47 times. I don't care if you get frostbite and your feet fall off. Keep skating! You still got time with your son, though. <laughs> no, I no, think. no, no. He's past that point too now. <laughs> I failed. I failed him too. I didn't push him nearly hard enough. <laughs> Uh, not, and not all the parents do, for sure. But it's a uh, boy. You look at the money; these kids. I mean, they're kids. Yeah. And no. you look, and you. And here's the other thing: we got to go. Here's the other thing: I do know, though, that somehow, if the if the if nature had bestowed me with athletic ability enough that I could have become a pro athlete in some kind of sport, knowing me as I know me. If I had become an athlete getting a check for several hundred thousand dollars when I was 18 years old, guaranteed I'm blowing it on stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. I, my, I would have been a disaster. I would I would have owned forty two cars, <laughs> and and all kinds of other stupid stuff. And I'd be today I'd be saying, Bubba, can I borrow some money? I'm a I'm a little short. You know, and, and you know, Scott, it's funny that you bring that up. And 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 really, what you what you're saying is actually kind of funny. But there is a serious end to that. And I will say that that one of the good things we're seeing in pro sports nowadays, especially in the major four sports in the National Hockey League, uh, NBA, and National Football League, even the CFL as well is that there's coaching for a lot of these kids right now. Life coaching. Life coaching thing. You know what, you're going from, you know, again, uh, wearing your $5 Levi's to being able to buy, you know, a hundred pairs of them, right? And to how to manage your money, how to, you know, be live on a budget. And I think that's a wonderful thing that these teams are doing. And it, it's it's even not just at the National Hockey League now. You're even seeing teams like the Bulldogs that are offering that type of, yeah. you know, that type of well, knowledge for the kids. As I let you go, it reminds me of a piece that was in Sports Illustrated years and years and years ago when Ricky Henderson was still at the top of his game. So it tells you how long ago that was. And there's a story about this shoe store in Texas down Dallas or Houston or somewhere that all the players when they would go to play against that team, all the players knew you go to this shoe store, they do a great job, they set you up and so the story was Ricky Henderson went to this place and tried on something like 65 pairs of shoes (laughs) and at the end of it he picked up two boxes and carried them up to the front counter and put them on the counter by the register and the guy there says, oh thank you for your business Mr. Henderson, I'll ring these through and Ricky Henderson goes, no no, these are the two I'm not taking there's how you blow your money. Bubba O'Neill from CHCH, soon to be in the new palatial Bubba Estates up in Flamborough with CHCH. I, I got to come and see this new dressing room when it's built, by the way. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's something special and something that we can all be proud of. You know what I mean? He'll be on tonight from the old place, still. 11 o'clock, you can see him doing sports and weather. Bubba, thanks for doing this tonight. Always a pleasure. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8. On 900 CHML.